If, you, uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, um, or if you're listening online, you have uh, kind of just ended up smack dab in the middle of a group of people who just want to be honest with each other and uh, move towards Jesus, and that's what we're doing in this series called Connected that we're in. And today, um, I, uh, I, I, last night was laying in bed kind of preaching my sermon to Risha, which I'm sure is just her dream Saturday night, you know. <laughs> and um, because the truth is, there are times, this happens to me very often actually, where Saturday night I'm kind of finally coming to a head with the sermon and the, the content, and then all of a sudden I get this panicked feeling that none of this makes sense and that it's completely off track. And so I preach it to Risha so that she can go, yeah, yeah, that's great. And sometimes she does, and sometimes she's like, no, no, that's not there. Um, and so the, last night we went through this, feel, and I, I, I kind of woke up this morning with the same feeling like, like this is kind of harsh today. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that I was never told as a Christian growing up. One of these things that maybe you've never been told as a Christian Somebody might have just told Brandon. Um, but we're going to talk today um, about, uh, about the cost of following Jesus, what it costs us in our lives. And um, it's not a popular conversation, but I, I've been praying really hard um, this week and, and, and especially last night. Um, in fact, I preached the whole sermon to Risha last night, and as we were walking in, she's like, you know, I've been thinking I might just go to McDonald's, grab something for breakfast, because I've already heard this sermon, <laughs> <You know? laughs> but she stayed, um, so, uh, so props to Risha for helping me write this sermon, or you can blame her if you don't like it. <laughs> no, but um, if, if that was harsh. But we'll, uh, we're going to get going this morning with a, a quick word of prayer. If you need a deep breath, this is the time for that, um, just to get some perspective and to ask God to speak into your life during our sermon this morning. God, we pray that you would quiet our lives just now. Yeah, that's quiet. Would you give us perspective in the quiet? Would you give us a deep breath that will allow us to think straight and think clearly about who we are. Father, we desperately want truth at all costs. Even if it's hard, even if it's harsh, even if it is not exactly what we want to hear, we want truth. Because we believe that at the bottom of truth is hope. At the bottom of truth is what we truly desire in our life. So especially those of us who are choosing to follow Jesus, would you lead us to truth today at all costs? And those in the room who are kicking the tires, trying to decide what's true and what's not, trying to decide what they believe about you, about Jesus, about the whole thing, God, would you give them a new insight today? Would you give them a a fresh understanding, kind of clear the clouds so that we can see what's true. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the call to follow you. And we pray today that we would be further down the road when we leave here than when we walked in. In your son's name, amen. 
So we're in this series um, called Connected, and um, it has been, um, uh, I think, moving and hard at times for us as we talk about what it means to actually follow Jesus. Jesus went, uh, went through the earth when he came here, went through his part of the world, walking around and talking to people. And when he did, he would walk up to somebody and he didn't say, be good. He didn't say, be a wonderful person. He didn't say, what I want most from you in life is to be religious and go to church and be a Christian. In fact, he went to those people who were probably the most irreligious, the furthest thing from church people, the furthest thing from God, and he, he said one thing to them. He looked at them and he said, follow me, just follow me. And the prerequisite wasn't that they're a Christian, that they believe in God. In fact, most of the people that followed Jesus when he was on the earth didn't believe in God. Or if they did, they believed in a, God in a weird way, and they certainly wouldn't have believed that Jesus was God. So they followed him because he was the kind of guy that you'd want to follow. Now, the, the, the funny thing is that those, who, that those who consider to be followers of Jesus now, the word Christian literally means Jesus-like or Jesus-follower, um, in fact, a lot of people now, because the word Christian has taken on so many bad connotations in our world, um, for some obvious reasons, um, people are starting to call themselves Jesus followers instead of Christians, because it basically it just denotes that I'm following Jesus. I'm not part of a religion or a movement necessarily. I'm following this guy. And the, the incredible thing is most Christians, maybe that's not fair, a lot of Christians in our society are the exact opposite of Jesus, <laughs> They are living and are doing their lives mostly about religion. And here's the problem with religion. Those who follow Jesus and who call themselves Christians and who spend most of their time either pointing their finger at somebody else or saying things that they've heard their whole life that they may think is, is okay are actually doing the opposite of what Jesus did. Here's what religion says, and here's what Christianity in our culture as a whole says to the world. It says this, if you can change who you are, you can join us. You change who you are. You stop smoking. You stop drinking. You stop being that person that you are that you don't want to be, and then you can come join us. And sometimes it's not that harsh. Sometimes it's just a policy written in the church handbook. Sometimes it's just an attitude by the back row, not necessarily in this church. No offense, back row. <laughs> sometimes it's just a, 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 a feeling and an air. That if you, just, if you change who you are, you can be a part of what we're doing. But that is not at all Jesus' attitude towards people who might follow him. Jesus' attitude was this. You follow me wherever you are right now. You don't, you don't make a certain in any change in your life if you, don't, if you don't want to. You don't have to change anything right now. You come follow me and you'll change. Not change and then you can join us, but join us. And you'll change. We've found that to be true around here, and we're working hard to, to follow Jesus in that way. And as we've gone through this series, we have learned that, that following Jesus is for broken people, and that we start broken and we get more whole as we go. We've also learned this that the end of following Jesus, that when he came, he didn't say, I've come so that you can be a better person, although, if some of the best people I've ever known in my life are Christians, um, people who are following Jesus, because if you, the more you look like Jesus, the better dad you are, the better mom you are, the better person, the better neighbor um, 
you are and just the more it just makes sense to be around you. Um, and so that's part of what you get when you follow Jesus. Jesus also didn't say, I've come so that you can go to heaven, although that's part of the benefit of following Jesus. In fact, I want to make it very clear today that um, salvation is free, that you don't have to follow Jesus to be saved. Now, you'll want to, and you'll see today why. But Jesus didn't, he didn't come and say, you know, the reason I've come is to bring you to heaven. Now, that's just a, a fringe benefit. It's part of, he said, the reason I've come is so that you might have peace. And it, what we decided was that it was faith in God, this kind of peace is faith in God that overcomes all fears and gives you what Jesus called a, a peace that passes all understanding or a peace that doesn't make sense. Had a couple conversations like that this morning. How are things this week? You know, it's been an awful week. Awful week. But for some reason, I'm great. And those who've been following Jesus for a while go, yeah, weird, isn't it? Weird, isn't it? It's a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that you just go, that, that doesn't make sense. And see, the problem is a lot of us have followed Jesus. A lot of us have started following Jesus because maybe we want to be a better person. If I follow Jesus, maybe I'll finally quit smoking. Save some money every month. If I follow Jesus, maybe I'll become, I won't become like my dad, who was just a jerk, not my dad, but, you know, in general. If I follow Jesus, maybe this. If I follow Jesus, at least I'll go to heaven. And you get that, and you just kind of follow Jesus for the wrong reasons, and you you try to keep moving, and as you do, things come up in your life, and then the preacher says, a peace that passes all understanding, and you go, not for me. And I want to say this morning that What Jesus said was what he wants for you and what he intends for you in this world is to have a peace that passes all understanding. It's a faith in God that overcomes any fear you have. It's an amazing thing. Come see me if you don't have that and you feel like you want it. um, Or go out and listen to that sermon. Next slide. We also found out last week, and this confused some people and made some people laugh, um, I preached a sermon last week called Naked Christianity, and it's a part of our, um, our understanding of who, God, of who Jesus is, that you, know, you can tell a lot about a person by what they wear, um, and there's a lot of what some Christians wear, um, either a John 3.16 shirt or a sign that says you're going to hell and God hates you. Um, and I, the, the problem with this kinds of thing to wear in our culture is that it doesn't make a difference. It really doesn't make a difference. You can yell, you can scream, you can wear things, and, and there's nothing wrong with wearing a John 3.16 shirt. Please don't hold a sign like that. There's nothing wrong with, with wearing a Christian t-shirt and everything, but the truth is it, it doesn't make a difference. And Jesus came not to make a point, and that's what this does. It just makes a point. Jesus came not to be right. Did you know that? On Facebook every now and then I want to say to Christians, do you know that your whole job in life as a Christian is not to make a point? <laughs> That's not the point. Jesus didn't come to make a point. He came to make a difference. This doesn't make a, that didn't make a difference. This makes a difference. And this is what we said. We're going to get up every morning. Somebody posted on Facebook that they put in their closet, really nice closet, by the way, too, put in their closet a sign that says, what shall I wear today? And it was this, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The things that we're supposed to put on as Christians, the things that we're supposed to be. And I'll tell you, you live life like that, that makes a difference. And it's what you were born to do. I was talking with a Christian friend of mine yesterday. We were running together, and he just said, I feel like I'm meant for more than this. I've lived all my life up till now, and I've just kind of been messing around, and I am, I'm ready for more. I, I, I feel like I want more, and I, and I just said, I'm running and huffing and puffing. 
said, you were meant for more. You absolutely were meant for more than making a point, more than just surviving. You're meant to make a difference. And when you do, when you make impact on people's lives, it changes. And when you follow Jesus the way he intends, it makes a difference in the people around you. So Jesus had these groups of people following him. These big groups of people literally following him. Now, when we say following Jesus, what we mean is we're reading what he did, we're reading what he said, and we're trying to live life the way he told us to live life and the way he lived his life because it leads to what we want in our lives and it leads to what God wants for us in our lives. That's what we mean by following Jesus. Now, if you were a contemporary of Jesus, if you were a follower of Jesus, you were literally walking wherever he went. And people did this all over the place for different reasons. Some people did it because, you know, he healed my mother-in-law which I'm looking crazy about my mother-in-law, so I'm a little conflicted about that. But no, he healed my mother-in-law, and, and I, I saw these miracles, and so I'm just going to follow him. Am I, why, why am I following? Because he seems like the kind of guy I just want to be around. Now, we're going to read from Mark chapter 8 today to, um, and for, for the kind of the heart of this sermon. And you need to know that the, the context of this is that Jesus has been doing his ministry, and Jesus' ministry was, was not about leading worship, and it was not about just preaching. It was about about those, those things that we learned about last week, about treating people with humility and kindness, treating people with respect and, and delivering a message from God and living his life different. And people just swarmed him. They just followed him. Some of them for reasons that weren't necessarily the most spiritual. And Jesus had just finished feeding 4,000 people. Um, he, at one point, he fed, we see he fed 5,000 people, and at another point, he fed 4,000 people. And right after he fed 4,000 people, there were a whole bunch of people, and he just said, I have compassion for these people. They're hungry. And he couldn't say, go see Stacy after church. <laughs> so he said, hey, who's got bread? And the disciples go, well, we, we pulled together 12 loaves. And Jesus goes, 12 loaves of bread for 4,000 people? You think I can feed 4,000 people with 12 loaves or 7 loaves of bread or however many? Yeah, okay. I can't. Boom, everybody eats. And then there's baskets left over. It's an amazing story. And Jesus does this all the time. And he's continually providing for people. He's continually healing the sick and saying amazing things that are life-changing. One of the things he says today gives me a lot of faith in the Bible and in Jesus. Because a couple of the things he says today are things that if I were to make them up, I would take credit for them. I wouldn't say, and then Jesus said, I would say, and then John said, listen to this thing, you know? I mean, this is absolutely the word of God and the word of Jesus. It's just some amazing things. And people were following him because of these things. And Jesus and his disciples, in Mark chapter 8, verse 27, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi, on these little villages. And on the way, they're walking. On the way, he asked them, who do people say that I am? Now, I wouldn't recommend you going to work this week and doing that. <laughs> going to the next cubicle. Who do people say they am? You may not want to know the answer to that, okay? But Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, who was a person who came before him who had just been beheaded for Jesus' sake. Some people think, Jesus, that John the Baptist has come back or that he somehow got out of that whole beheading thing and that you're actually him. Others say Elijah, who was a prophet from their past, a hero, that maybe, maybe you've come back, maybe Elijah has come back and you're really him, and still others say one of the prophets, and then Jesus goes, well, that's it's okay, what, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. I love that word, the Messiah. 
And now, if you're, if you're just new to this, the Christian thing, you're new to the following Jesus, you might not know the word Messiah kind of means the chosen one. It means the one who has come to save us. It means the one who from the beginning of time was planned to, to be the savior of the world. But the word Messiah is Hebrew. The word um, for Messiah in Greek is Christ. Now, some of you thought, and I'm not laughing at you, some of you thought that Christ was Jesus' last name, didn't you? <laughs> First name Jesus, last name Christ, right? It's not. The idea about Jesus is that, that he, every time you said the name Jesus, you would say that he is the Christ. He's the one that's been promised. He's the one who's come to save us. And Peter says that you are the Messiah. You're the promised one. Now, look at what Jesus says. Check this out. Next slide. So he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chiefs, and the teachers of the law. And then he must be killed and after three days raised again. So Jesus has got all this positive vibe going. He's feeding people. He's healing people. People are happy. People are joking around. The disciples who were unknown people, the friends of Jesus, the 12 people that he chose, were completely unknown in the world. They were just no names who were going to die no names. And when Jesus came and said, follow me, it changed them. They became popular. People started going, hey, who's that guy with Jesus? Oh, that's Peter. He's a pretty cool guy. And all of a sudden, he begins to raise up. And Everybody's just happy. It's a party around Jesus. Until he sits down and he goes, you know, I'm not here to have a party. I'm not here to make a point. I'm here to make a difference. And that's going to lead me to be arrested, be convicted of something I didn't do, and then be killed and crucified. And there's this feeling that Peter just goes, hey, Jesus, you're harshing the whole thing here, you know? Hey, Jesus, uh, stop with the negativity. <laughs> he pulls Jesus aside. Look at this. Je he, he plainly spoke about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus, began to say, hey, Jesus, stop it. Everything's going really well. Stop talking so darkly about this thing. Stop being, talking about what's the future. And i got to tell you this. If you're following Jesus right now, you won't have the same path that the people who were literally following Jesus did at that time. In that point in history, um, the Romans were doing this thing that, man, you think things are tough now in America and around the world. You should have seen what the Romans were doing at this point. If they didn't like what you did, if you had been convicted of some sort of a crime, they would crucify you. They would hang you on a cross, and then they would just leave you. And if I were to explain all the things I've been reading about crucifixion, um, let's just say you'd be walking out right now. You might have seen movies with some music behind them, Mel Gibson movies, those kinds of things, you know. And, and it's a little gruesome, but you take the music away, and it's just some makeup, you know. We don't have a clue what this smelled like, what it looked like, how it felt. And it was a promise from the Romans that if you mess up, that could be you. And these people would walk by crucified people on the way to work, on the way to school. Their little kids would see them, and they would have to explain what's going on. The Romans had them terrified. Of crucifixion and Jesus in the middle of this whole wonderful thing that he's doing for people says that's where I'm headed and people are going well I didn't sign up for this I just want the healing I just want the I just want the good stuff I want the magic tricks and Peter even says Jesus don't talk about that and then you know Peter kind of gets confused 
Just before this, Jesus had been on the water and there was this big storm. And Jesus had been asleep during the storm, stood up out of his slumber and just said, peace, be still. And the water's quieted. So you can just hear Peter going to Jesus, hey, I was just with you. You have power over the weather. Who's going to kill you? And now later Jesus would say, nobody kills me, I give my life. Um, But he knows what's coming. And he re- Peter, Peter rebukes Jesus, but then look what Jesus says to Peter. When Jesus turned and looked at the disciples, he rebuked Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. See, the problem with Peter is that he was so selfish, so selfish that he couldn't see anything else. Now, you and I have the same problem in our life. And Jesus looks and he says, you have only one thing in mind. And he looks at this big crowd of following him. He says, you're not following me because you want to make a difference. You're not following me because of godly things. You're following me because it benefits you. That's why you're following me. And look what happens next. Nope, one back. Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples. So now he's got the whole crowd back with him again. And I, 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 I picture him saying, all right, disciples, I want you guys on the front row. Peter, right there. I'm going to tell you what I'm about. It says, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple, that disciple means follower, must deny themselves. You know what that means? You know what that means, deny themselves. This is a very lame illustration compared to this, but it's when you go to the restaurant you go to Applebee's with all your friends and family and you have a big meal but not quite big enough and the waiter comes back and he's so do we save room for dessert and or the question is usually posed like this to me so do you want dessert let me tell you the answer to that 100% of the time do I want dessert yes but sometimes I deny myself because I, 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 I absolutely, everything in, want, everything in me wants that a la mode. But I'm denying myself because I know it's not the best for me. I know that I shouldn't. I know whatever. And there's this moment that I deny myself. And, and I could give better examples. But you know what it means to deny yourself. It means that everything in you urges this direction. And you know it's not right, so you choose this direction. Jesus says, if you're going to be a follower of me, if you've been asleep, you need to hear this this morning. Wake up for a second. If you've been a follower, if you're going to follow me, it's going to lead you to some place that's going to cost you something. You need to know that today. Nobody ever preached that to me. Nobody. Took college for me because when I was growing up, um, I grew up in church and it was just the right thing to do. And truthfully, following Jesus was really good for me. When I was in high school, I had a whole group of people that um, I grew up with who went towards just drugs and alcohol and went this direction, and they did the party scene, and they got arrested, and they got in big trouble, and part of me just looked and went, I just don't want that. So following Jesus just always made sense to me, and it was so good, and it was so, my parents were so happy, and everybody smiled at me, and I was just like, I got scholarships to go to Bible college, and John's going to be a preacher. Everybody was so happy with me, and I got to college, and I had never one time in my life had my relationship with Jesus cost me something, ever. And, and when I got to Bible college, everything changed. I realized that at some point in my life, 
that my faith was going to converge with myself, and I was going to have to make a choice between denying myself and following Jesus. Here's the thing I want you to hear today about this, and Jesus is very clear about this with his disciples. Especially those of you who are following Jesus and want to follow deeper, want to get closer, want to move more towards peace. Those of you who I've been seeing every Sunday morning for the last seven years, this should be you. We need to get deeper. We need to grow deeper. Jesus says this, salvation is free. So don't worry, that's not the issue here. You can't earn salvation. You can't earn being saved. There's nothing you can do except except the blood of Jesus, except that sacrifice. So salvation is free, but following Jesus will eventually cost you something. Andy Stanley, one of my favorite preachers I listen to all the time, um, tells a story of a, a kid in his congregation. And this is a rubber meets the road moment. You might have one too like this. But this is exactly what Jesus meant at the time. This kid had spent his entire life getting ready for a, a, a job in the television industry. And he, got, he went on and got his master's, and he had spent a lot of money. He had big loans. He had spent all this time and energy, finally got a job opportunity, working in a C-level position at a major uh, cable television provider. And the only thing, he went in, they said, we're ready to hire you, but in the, for the first six months, your job will be to learn what the engineers do here. It's important that you learn what the engineers do. And one of, our, one of the places we want you to sit is for six months, we want you to sit in front of a bank of televisions with every channel we provide our subscribers on it. And you need to monitor it and learn how that side of it works. It's a really good idea for him to understand how all that works. At the end of that six months, then you'll go on to your job in the, the C-suite and you'll go on to your career. No problem, except for he went into that room and realized that one of the channels is an adult channel. It's pornography. 24-7. And part of his job was to sit and monitor it 24-7 for six months. And he thought, I, I, don't, know, uh, I don't know if I can do that. And they thought, no, 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 no you, don't, you don't understand. You're only going to have to do this job for six months, and then you get your dream job. Come on, it's just six months. Just six months, and then you get your dream job. So he went home, and he thought about it, and he, he prayed about it. And the more he prayed, the more, and the more he thought about it, the more it was like just one of those moments, you know? If you're a follower of Jesus, you do know. One of those moments where you can go this way with the crowd and it seems like the fun thing or it seems like the energizing thing, but there's something inside you that goes, that's not the right way. And that's what this kid felt over and over and over again. And finally, he came back to the guy that was hiring him and he said, listen, this is a problem for me. I don't believe God wants me to sit in front of that for six months. I don't believe I, that God wants that to fill my brain, and I cannot do that for six months. Now, growing up, the end of that story for me would have been, so the guy said, congratulations, you've passed the test, you get to not have to do it, and we'll double your salary, and happy end of the story, but that's not the way that story ended. Andy said, to, the guy laughed at him and said, son, you're making a big mistake. We're going to hire somebody else. And Andy said, that was six months ago, and he still doesn't have a job. He's been without a job for six months. See, it, it cost him something to follow Jesus. It was like a death for him that moment. And he wrote, he wrote to Andy Stanley, too, and he said, please tell everybody that hears this story that in the past six months, God has provided for me, and he has been on time with everything I need. It's the promise 
is that God provides. But although salvation is free, following Jesus will eventually cost you something. I'm, a, I'm working on running, and those of you who follow me on Facebook know that this is like my accountability. It posts on Facebook, and I'm really trying to work on becoming a runner. And It's been a while now, and I've been trying to figure this out. And early on in my running, um, I, I'm trying to lose weight and trying to get in shape and just trying to be more disciplined overall. Early on, I read this thing about um, something called a wall that runners hit. Have you ever heard of the wall? Um, this is something that when I first started running, I was like, you know, this wall, is it real? You know, is there like I'm literally going to bounce up against something? I hear people tell that. I get online. I read a lot. And I, plus my brother, who is kind of my guru for running, is telling me about now you're, at one point you're going to hit a wall. And, you're, and I, think, I keep thinking, wall, 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 this is the weirdest thing. I'm scared. It kind of freaked me out as I'm running. When, is, when am I going to hit it? And how is it going to happen? I went a good two, three months of running and never felt it, never hit it. And started wondering if it was just a myth, if it was just a, a weird thing. And then I got to a point one day when I was running, and I, I remember I was talking to Risha, and I had said something about, you know, I read this article from a real runner who said this, and Risha goes, now wait a minute, you're a real runner. You've been disciplined, you've been running, you've been doing this, you're a real runner. And I said, no, I'm not. I just didn't, just didn't feel real to me. I didn't feel like a real runner. And I just kind of laughed, no, I'm not a real runner. I still got flab everywhere, and I'm huffing and puffing, and I'm not a real runner. So I, that week, I got on the trail, and I started running, and guess what? I hit a wall. I, I, it's like everything in my body said, this is ridiculous. You're a human being who's meant to walk places unless something's chasing you. <laughs> and there ain't nothing chasing you. So stop running. Everything in my body, my muscles, my legs, my lungs were burning. My brain, that was the worst part. All the physical things I could close off, but it was my brain that was going, this is stupid, you're an idiot. Everybody else is asleep inside in their blankets, and you're out here, you could be eating a donut instead of doing this, and my brain is just... And there was this sense where I had a rubber-meets-the-road moment as a runner, and I got through the wall. And I got back to my car, exhausted, absolutely spent, but guess what? The next time somebody said, are you a real runner? I said, yeah. I'm telling you that story because I believe this is what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. You will hit a wall. A wall where at some point your faith goes this way, following Jesus goes this way, and the world and maybe your plan for your life, what seems like happiness, goes this way. And when you hit that wall, you have a decision. Am I a follower or am I a consumer? Now, the people that followed Jesus, literally, physically followed Jesus, some of them were following him because they wanted to be like him. They wanted to go where he was going. Others were following him because they were consumers. You know what a consumer is? Somebody who just takes whatever they can get from it. I'll take whatever I get. You know what? What I really love about being a Christian is coming to church on Sunday morning, hearing the sermon, and walking away, walking away with a big smile on my face. That's what I love about being a Christian. Well, you don't do that much here, do you? <laughs> but there's a lot of people who, that's, let me see how much I can get out of this. Let me see what I can get from following Jesus. And I want you to know that that will only take you so far as you follow Jesus. That at some point there'll be a wall. And it's just true of me with running. I mean, I was just a pretender until I hit the wall. And see, here's the, th the funny thing about the wall running. I read this later. My brother forwarded me this, and it said, 
um, that what distinguishes a runner, a real runner for somebody who does it recreationally and every now and then, is getting through the wall. And I would say the same is true of a follower of Jesus. What distinguishes a follower of Jesus, a consumer from a follower, is that opportunity that you have. Some of you right now have one in your life. You're going, oh my gosh, John has been reading my emails. (laughs) Some of you right now have this moment in your life where you get to decide, am I a consumer or am I a follower? Now, I believe you have it in you to get through that wall. If it weren't for my brother, I wouldn't have made it. If it weren't for my wife, I wouldn't have made it through that wall running. And you need your brothers and sisters. You need the people around you to go, you can do this. You need accountability. If you're going through that right now, find somebody after this service. Walk up to them and say, I'm there. I am at that wall. There's an email on my phone right now. I have to make a decision by Monday morning. Some of you are going to feel that way. Some of you are in a relationship that needs to stop. Some of you are in sinful mode that needs to quit and you cannot deny yourself. And Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, you will take up your cross. My guess is this is the way Jesus taught. He pointed at things while he was teaching and he he used physical illustrations. My guess is, because it happened all over the place, that there are people hanging on crosses as Jesus is talking. Maybe in the distance. Maybe the smell is still there. Now, one thing I can promise you is no matter how hard your life gets as a follower of Jesus, you're not going to be crucified. At least not in the next few years, let me put it that way. So you don't have that same, but the issue is this, that at some point it's going to get hard. And that's when the rubber meets the road on your faith. So Jesus continues, because here's what happens, and I prayed this wouldn't happen this morning, and it might happen at least mentally with some of you this morning but with jesus it literally happened jesus said that and people start going i'm out (laughs) crosses and sacrifice and denying myself like i'm here to not deny myself jesus nobody told me about this i'm out and they start walking away from jesus and i think even the disciples start kind of looking at the ground and shuffling their feet a little bit thinking you know fishing doesn't look so bad now And Jesus says, before you go, and if you've checked out mentally going, this is not what I signed up for, before you go, here's what Jesus says to the group of people. He says this, now listen, whoever wants to save their life, Jesus was such a good speaker. That that includes all of us, right? Everybody's listened to Jesus. Anybody want to save their life? Yep, that's why I diet. Yep, that's why I'm running. Yep, that's why I'm going to the doctor. Yep, that's why I take my medicine every day. I want to save my life. Jesus says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, for the gospel, will save it. He says this, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world? Now, I believe this is the picture that the people following Jesus would have had, and I'm going to ask you to paint this picture for yourself today. I don't know what the whole world looks like to you in terms of if you got everything you ever wanted. Maybe it's a celebrity you can point to and say, if I was just that person. I don't know. Maybe it's if I just had that farm, if I just had that house, if I just had that car and this job and all this money and all these people, if I just had her and I just had him. You go ahead and in your mind right now, you give yourself all of that. Everything you could ever want, ever. Jesus says, okay, if that happened to you, he, 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 he says, okay, hold that for a minute. What good is it for someone to gain that whole world, yet forfeit 
their soul. Now, the word forfeit in the Greek literally means like give up, like trade for your soul. So Jesus paints this picture. He says, or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Now, I don't know what Jesus means by forfeit their soul. I don't know what he means by that. I don't know if he means that they're going to hell. I don't, mean, no, if, I don't know what he means by this. He doesn't explain it. But he says, if you were standing in front of God at the end of time, at the end of your life, if you were standing before God, and he goes, you know what? You have all of that stuff, but you have lost your soul. Jesus says, what would you trade? How much of that stuff would you trade for your soul? The answer is, all of it. Everything. I'd trade everything for my existence for eternity. Wouldn't you? And this group of people has a defining moment. I'm hoping that you have a defining moment today. Where you realize this. It's a, one of the defining moments of life is when you discover that your soul is worth more to you than all of your possessions. When you can finally, this happened to me when I held London in my hands, my now eight-year-old little daughter. I couldn't even hold her in both hands now, I don't think. And they gave her to me. Risha had a C-section, so she didn't even get to see all this. I gave her her first bath. I held her in my hands, and I remember we were going through terrible financial troubles at that point. And it was just a weird time for us. It was really hard at church. Things were really weird. This was when I was in Wisconsin. And I looked down at London, and I, I had this moment. This moment of just like, yeah, I, I get it. I, I, I would give up everything for my soul and her soul and to know where I'll spend eternity. It's a defining moment. Now, at this point, Jesus looks at his, this group of people, and he's a much better preacher than I am, fortunately. Maybe unfortunately for you this morning. And he says, so I'm going to ask you. Still want to follow? Are you a consumer? Or a follower? And check this, this next slide. When I, was, when I was going through this whole thing with the running thing and, and anticipating the wall, I was worried. And maybe you're thinking this morning, well, when is this wall going to come in my faith, in my journey, in my following Jesus? I said, Darren, how do I know when the wall comes? How do I know? I mean, am I going to miss it? And Darren goes, you'll know. <laughs> you'll just know. You'll know when you hit it because there's no getting past it. I remember when Darren said, when you hit the wall, you've got two choices. You can go through it, or you can go backwards. You can turn around and go home. And that's where we are with our faith. I'm going to be praying for you this week, and I've been praying for you already today and last night, that you would, if you haven't already, that the wall would come up in your life real soon. And that you would hit it hard. Because when we do, it changes who we are. It defines who we are. It makes us a follower. And when we follow together like that, it will change this community. Here's what Jesus says, and here's where I want to end today, that salvation is free. I don't want you to miss that this morning. I've said it a few times, because you can't earn salvation. Salvation is free, but following Jesus will eventually cost you something. You know that whole group of people that were following Jesus, many of them just walked away. And you know what happened to all those people that walked away? Neither do I. No idea. We don't know about them. And as far as I know, they didn't do anything. You know what happened to the ones that followed Jesus? One of them's name was Peter. 
made a whole bunch of mistakes in his life, did a whole bunch of dumb things, but he made it through the wall. And when he did, Jesus said, you're going to be in charge of the church. You're going to start the church. A few other names of those people, 2,000 years ago they lived, and I still name, I can name 12 of them with about three different songs that we make up about them. These are people who made an enormous difference in their life. It strikes me that refusing to follow Jesus will cost you a whole lot more than you realize. So here's, here's what I want to ask you today. Band, you guys can come up this direction. First, I'd like for you to sincerely ask yourself, and you heard me pray this at the beginning of the service. I prayed this for me, and I prayed this for you, and I'm hoping right now this hits you right in the heart, to ask God, am I a consumer? Am I just consuming whatever I can get from God and Jesus in my life? Or am I actually following? If you've got little babies in your hands today, if you've got kids in your pew or upstairs, you need to ask this sincerely to God. I don't want to be a consumer. I want to follow Jesus so that I can lead my family to what we need. I'm going to ask you, what's your soul worth? When I was running, Darren ended his comments to me about the wall. I said, you'll know. Well, when's it going to happen? How am I going to? Darren just said, just run. Just keep running, and it'll happen. And I want you to know this morning what God wants most from you right now. If you've accepted the blood of Jesus, if you have, you have been given the gift of salvation, which cannot be earned and cannot be taken away, you've been given that, then your next call is to just follow. I believe that following Jesus is the single most important thing I can teach my children. My daughter's smarter than I am, second grade. My son's on his way to that. So they're getting what they need from the education, but I've got to tell you, in my house, we will follow Jesus. If it makes them mad, we're going to follow. If they call me names, we're going to follow. Because I've found out in my life personally that it is the only way to the peace that I need. The only way to the hope that I want so bad. The only way to fill the void in my life. If you're here today and you don't love yourself enough to follow Jesus, look around because others are following you wherever you go. You need to follow. I'm going to give you a chance to do that today. Here's the cool thing about God, one of the cool things about God. Maybe you've never heard this before, but you know that you don't have to speak to God for him to, to communicate with God. It's a really cool thing. As close as I am to my wife, we're really good friends and we know each other really well um, and we can finish each other's sentences even sometimes. It's kind of annoying. Um, but uh, but I, we can't, I can't just say, hey, honey, hear what's in my heart. As close as we are, it's just not possible. But with God, if you've never prayed before or maybe you're in one of those places in your life you don't feel like you can pray, all you have to do is open your heart. You just have to, and for me, it's just one word usually. I'm in a place like that, and this is what I'm going to ask you to do today. Just close your eyes. While we sing this song, I'm going to be right back there in that corner if you need to pray with me this morning, but this is just be between you and God, and just say, God, I want to be a follower. Now, he'll, he'll do the rest. He'll see into your heart. He'll see where you are this morning, and he'll clean you up, and you'll be on the road. I'll be right back there in the corner if there's any walls I can help you through or anything I can pray with you for today. I love you, and I want to follow Jesus together. Would you stand with us and sing this morning?